Today's episode is presented to you by Best You Mental Health Clinic. Best You is a practice that provides a compassionate space, uniquely treating each client based upon their individual needs to reach their goals. At Best You, we believe mental health is not a trend, it is a lifestyle. Best You Mental Health Clinic is currently accepting patients 16 and up, accepts all major insurances plus self-pay. If you would like more information, visit bestumhc.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the soon-to-be-named College Underdogs podcast presented by College Game Time. That's right. You heard it. I am going to change the name of this show. It is going to be called the College Underdogs podcast. Um, Maybe by the end of the week, I'm just going ahead and letting my listeners and viewers get used to that. College Game Time will still be the platform and entity that I own that we plumb line all this content through. But this particular show and podcast will be now known as the College Underdogs Podcast. I'll still be... There's some other content ideas I have that I'm going to be doing on this channel, those of you that watch on YouTube, outside of this podcast. And so it's just a way of kind of separating the two so it's not confusing to people who are either new subscribers or past subscribers or whatever. Basically, the College Underdogs podcast is the show that will continue to cover the American Athletic Conference, sprinkled in with some Mountain West Conference and some of the other G5 mid-majors. And then the College Game Time YouTube channel will continue to be a platform that produces quality college sports content, both college football, college basketball, and things of that nature. So putting that out there at the very beginning, setting the record straight so everyone knows what's happening. Some of you that are watching for the first time, you're probably like, what the heck are you talking about? Well, now you know. This is formerly known as the College Game Time Podcast is now the College Underdogs Podcast. I got a lot to get to today. I was out of town a lot last week. As you know, if you were watching, I was traveling. I was in Vegas. We had two different media day events that I worked, both the American Athletic Basketball, Mountain West Conference Basketball. And so... um, It's taken me some time here to sort of get acclimated to what's going on on the realignment front, specifically as it pertains to Oregon State and Washington State. So I've got a few different things that have come across late last week, over the weekend, and then yesterday. Okay, the reports from late last week, another report from over the weekend, and then in fact, a quote yesterday from Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark and just piecing together what might be next for Oregon State, Washington State. Of course, I'm not covering that story as closely as I was when the American Conference was right in the middle of it, but I know there's some viewers that came in who still like to hear my take on what's going on, or you come to me to hear the latest on that. So I've got some information I've consolidated. I'm going to share that with you, and then I'm going to give you my takes on it. And then also today, uh, again, I'm a little off schedule with all the traveling last week, but I am going to give you my pickums this week um, for week eight college football with the American Athletic Conference. Last week, man, I actually was pretty good. I didn't get a chance to make the short like I usually do that has all the picks on them, kind of rapid fire. I'm hopefully going to be able to do that this week. But again, just getting reacclimated. I'm home though now, back in the studio as you've seen. So before we get to it, If you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do. Like, subscribe, share it with a friend, comment at the end. And if you're listening on one of the streaming platforms, please, please, please leave a five-star rating, leave a positive review, 
And uh, let's keep driving this podcast up into that algorithm and continuing to grow even as we get deeper into the fall season, into the holiday season. We're just going to keep this thing rolling. No, this is not just a football podcast. Um, I have some ideas for the new year, but obviously with <laughs> if you watched any content last week, you know that I'm carrying this right into basketball season. So first things first. Let's talk about this court case and the latest that came out at the end of last week. So the report, and I will put the link in down below that I'm reading from was Yahoo Sports, Matt Zimmick, and he's basically citing Wilner. All right. Uh, Some of Wilner stuff is behind a paywall, so not everybody's able to access it. But here's the bottom line on the latest kind of the big news that broke at the end of last week as it pertains to the court case or a piece of information that was uncovered by Wilner that could have impacts on the court case. It says, and I'm going to put it up on the screen here. The big news is that Washington State and Oregon State just gained a much stronger legal position due to sworn statement from Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov, unearthed by John Wilner of the Wilner Hotline. Weeks before the Pac-12's collapse, Klyovkov issued a sworn statement to San Francisco Superior Court in which he stated that UCLA and USC had, in fact, already relinquished their board positions after announcing they would be joining the Big Ten, Wilner wrote. And I'm continuing on. That statement by Klyovkov was a declaration to the court filed on July 12th. The key portion of the statement is as follows. The University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, and University of Southern California, USC, are no longer among the member institutions represented on the board of directors. Okay. In layman's terms, basically this court case is to determine who gets control of the assets. We've talked about it a little bit on this show. Most of you, I think most people... Are, are, are under the impression that Oregon State, Washington State have the most leverage in that court case to win it as far as the, the, the voting rights, control of the assets, control of the conference, control of the CFP and the tournament units and all that money that comes along with it. Now, there is a little bit of a wrinkle in there with this Comcast lawsuit, which someone else might have to put something in the comments to better explain that. I haven't quite dove into that story yet um however per this report this is a very big move in oregon state and washington state's favor simply because it's showing klyovkov basically saying well they forfeited their board member rights when they made the decision to join the big 10 even though in usc and ucla's case they were still going to be in the conference for two more seasons two more years so something to consider there the next piece of information i have let me pull this one up on the screen is jim williams this one got some legs uh rumor debunked high-ranking source familiar with the american confirmed that no member would be leaving to join a newly formed pack two also sources with both oregon state and washington state confirm their hopes once the lawsuit is over to join either the acc or the big 12 Okay, I know as some of you have put in the comments about Jim Williams, it's some of you question the validity of what he puts out there. Here's what I can tell you from my own personal experience. I've talked with him personally. We've had conversations, particularly uh, over the summer, especially when things started heating up between the Pac-4 and the AAC 
any information I've gotten directly from Jim typically was spot on. And if it changed, he it was in communication saying, hey, this has changed according to this person. So he, look, I'm like with anything in realignment, you got to take it all with a grain of salt. But like, I, I, I personally believe that, that what Jim Williams puts out there is is valid you know, as, as, as much as something as valid as something could be in realignment season, I'll put it that way. And so basically, according to him, he's saying one of his high ranking sources with the American confirmed, no member would be leaving to join a newly packed two. And then he's talking about Oregon state, Washington state confirm their hopes. Once the lawsuit is over to join either the ACC or the big 12, which we've talked about on this channel about, and I've given my reasons. I'm not going to continue to rehash that. But I've been very adamant that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when in regards to a Power 5 conference coming back into the fold to extend an invite to Washington State, Oregon State. Now, what Power 5 conference will that be? I don't know. I don't know. You got people who've made cases for Big 12, ACC. I guess the Big Ten's pretty much out of the picture, even though I felt like maybe on a Hail Mary they could come back into the fold, but it sounds like that one's out. I've just been saying I think a Power 5 conference will come in. Um, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of smoke around the Big 12 a couple of weeks ago. But there's also been some some credible reporters that have debunked that, saying that, oh, the Big 12 is not in the market or they're not looking to expand or they're not going to get Oregon State, Washington State or they're done with this round of realignment. And then all of a sudden last week, the news breaks just before West Coast Conference Media Days, which was joint with the Mountain West Conference Media Days for basketball. It breaks that now Gonzaga is heavily linked to joining the Big 12. Mark Few was asked about that at West Coast Conference Media Days. I was there. I put the link. I put a clip up of his response right here on this channel. You can go find Um But to that point, the third thing here I wanted to share for this particular video is the fact that Brett Yormark yesterday at Big 12 Basketball Media Days was asked, when's the scheduling going to be set for the Big 12 for next year? And he said, hopefully before January. No, no, sorry. His exact quote was, hopefully earlier than January. And then I think the reporter said like November, December. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Watching that clip and it's on Twitter um, or X. I'm not so sure based off that answer, based on that answer that the big 12 is completely done with this round. So what does that mean for Oregon state, Washington state? I don't know. We may not know anything until this case is completely resolved, which based off the information that came late last week, we see what direction this is likely going to go. But really that, that response that your Mark gave yesterday at big 12 media days. I mean, I don't think he's finished now. Do I think that the big 12 is actively pursuing right now on the football front? Not necessarily. I think that we've got to let, we've got to let this, court case settle let the decision be made apparently they're also looking to to mediate this thing and and come to some agreement um in in regards to the departing schools from the pack and oregon state and washington state 
But I just cannot shake that a Power 5 conference is going to come back in to the fold. I talked about it last week. I was up there in Vegas around a lot of Mountain West people. There just wasn't any kind of there just wasn't any kind of talk or, or even whispers about this Mountain West, Oregon State, Washington State. Now, as some of you had pointed out last week on that particular episode, that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's a no-go. Maybe it's just, maybe the fact that it was so quiet means something is brewing. That's absolutely a possible reality. So let me know what your thoughts are. Based off those three pieces, the, 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 the news from late last week, you know, um, the the Jim Williams tweet and then your marks quote from yesterday because the three things I take away from it are this I think the Pac two is going to win their court case I think the Pac two's first option is to leverage the assets they gain from that court case to try to get a Power Five invite and then third um, I don't think the Big Twelve is finished this round. Now, do I think they're actively pursuing? I don't know. Maybe they're actively pursuing Gonzaga right now, but I, I don't think they're finished. So those are my three conclusions. Let me know what your thoughts are on that, and let's get to some picks for week eight. Coming in hot, number one on the list, Thursday night game. We've got Tulsa. Rice at Tulsa. Tulsa's at minus three. Here's what I've learned this season. You don't bet against Tulsa on a Thursday night. All right, they've had two Thursday night games and they've absolutely dominated those games. Their offense has looked as good as it's been all season on those Thursday night games. So I'm going to go with Tulsa minus three over Rice simply because it's a Thursday night. Next, I think the Friday night game, we got SMU and Temple. SMU's favored 20 and a half. I'm taking SMU. Every time I've bet on Temple, or every time I've picked Temple, I should say, uh, they've let me down. So I'm going with SMU to cover 20, point, 20 and a half points. And not knowing right now, personally, I haven't seen what, what the status of EJ Warner is. Uh, I think that defensive line for SMU is going to be a lot for Temple to handle. And I think SMU's run game is going to be a lot for Temple to handle. So we will see. Uh, and then we've got... Navy plus 10 and a half against Air Force. This is a huge game for the American Conference simply because, as I said yesterday, Tulane needs Air Force to drop a game. Not just for the sake of Air Force, but for the sake of the other teams that will be playing Air Force, like a uh, UNLV coming up or like a possible Fresno game in the conference championship. Because the more Air Force wins... Not only does the more does it help their path to the New Year's Six, but it the higher ranked they are, the more like importance it makes the games that they play against someone like a UNLV, UNLV who's only lost once to Michigan. Or like I said, a game against a, a possible Fresno in the conference championship, or maybe even Wyoming in a rematch. Who knows? I'm just saying Tulane really needs Air Force to lose, and losing to Navy would certainly put Tulane in that driver's seat to the New Year's Six, but I'm taking Navy in the points. I don't know that Navy wins the game, but I, I think it's closer than 10 and a half points. So uh, next on the list, we got Memphis at UAB, the battle for the bones. And I ain't gonna lie, guys, I ain't touching this one. I am not touching this one. 
I think there's a lot of pressure on Memphis for a couple of reasons. One, they just lost to Tulane. And so they're not, they're not out of the hunt for the conference championship, but this is a must win. So there is a, there is a level of pressure on them to follow up that loss to Tulane with beating UAB. But then I think there's another level of pressure. Yes, it's a rivalry game, but from Memphis perspective, right there, there was, let me say it this way. There was a lot of fans in the American conference that were very disappointed by the fact that they felt like when the American lost Houston, Cincy and UCF, that they became the conference USA 2.0. All right. The last thing you want to do is then turn around and lose two teams that came from said conference USA. Memphis needs to win this game. And there's a lot of pressure on them to do it. And quite, quite frankly, ah, something just got in my eye. If you're listening, sorry. So I don't know what it is. Sorry, YouTube. Something just got in my eye and I'm not editing this out. We're just going to keep it rolling. If UAB, if they would have, if we could remove the UTSA game that they just played last week and they'd been improving week after week, week after week, showing the level of improvement they've been making, man, I would, I would be worried for Memphis in this upcoming game. But seeing they kind of hit a brick wall against UTSA, someone made a good point earlier this week that um, – UTSA is very familiar. UAB and UTSA, they're very familiar with each other because they've been playing each other, whereas Memphis has not been playing UAB. So we'll see. Um, Memphis should win, but I'm not, I'm not making a pick on this one. It's a very important game for Memphis. And of course, if UAB still wants a chance to, to go bowling this year, you know, I mean, they've pretty much got to win most of the remaining games they have on the schedule. And... Um, I mean, it's not going to get any easier for them. So, but I think there's more pressure on Memphis in this game. So we'll see how they handle that. Uh, next, Charlotte ECU. That's another one I'm not really touching. This is a battle of two desperate teams. You got one coach who's basically coaching for his job. And then you've got another coach who's basically facing the reality of the job, right? One being Coach Houston with ECU and the other being Coach Poggi at Charlotte. I think Coach Poggi has really seen the reality of what he stepped into. I think there, dare I say, was a little bit of overconfidence in the beginning. I mean, even if you go back to the show Mining for Greatness in that first episode and uh, was it Jalen Jones, the quarterback? He was like, yeah, people are like, we hope y'all can win six games. And we're like, that's it? That's all y'all want? And it's like, I appreciate that mentality and that mindset. But there's been very much a over-promise, under-deliver feel from Charlotte so far this football season. And then ECU, man, I, I guess in hindsight, when you look at everything they lost from last year's, last year's team, I guess a step back was to be expected, but I don't think that having one win halfway through the season was to be expected. And so, yeah, I'm not touching that one. Then we got UNT plus 20 at Tulane. And I think this is Tulane's homecoming. I think it's a sold out out game, if I recall correctly. I believe Tulane will keep the the momentum rolling. 
They'll, they'll win the game, but I do believe that North Texas and the offense and the way they're playing with Chandler Rogers and Jamoy Macklin and the explosiveness that that offense is showing these past couple, well, really this past week specifically, and the level of confidence and momentum they should have going into this game, I think they at least keep it within 20. I like North Texas and the points, even though I do think Tulane still wins the game. USF at UConn. USF is minus two. Listen, I said it earlier this week. USF is still in position to make a bowl game. They've got three very winnable games. This is one of them. They need to beat UConn. They need to beat Charlotte. And I don't remember who the third team was that they have that's very winnable, but there is a third game. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I do think USF can make a bowl game, but they need to win this week. I think they bounce back. I think they take care of business. And not only do they take care of business, but they definitely cover this two-point spread. I like USF minus two. And then finally, to me, what might be the biggest game for the conference, one of the biggest games is UTSA-FAU. UTSA is actually favored three and a half. I'm not making a pick on this one, but I'm going to make a prediction. I think that the winner of this game, when they play Tulane, because both FAU and UTSA have a matchup with Tulane, whoever wins this game between UTSA and FAU, their game against Tulane will determine who gets the other spot in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, which... The way the schedules are looking, it's either going to be against SMU or possibly Memphis, depending on what Memphis can do the rest of the way out. But SMU's schedule sets up very nicely for them to go on a run and get into the AAC championship. They've got their game at Memphis, but outside of that, they should handle business, take care of business. Whereas, you know, Tulane has to play UTSA. They play FAU. SMU does not play either of those two teams. So... I think the winner of UTSA FAU and it's at FAU. So UTSA's favored, but it's at FAU. UTSA has been really finding their identity, but so is FAU. I mean, we got two teams that are three and three, but they're both two and zero oh in conference play. This is a big game. And I think that the winner of this game, keep an eye on them as the season plays out, particularly when they have their matchup with Tulane. So I believe that'll do it for today. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Let me know your picks. Let me know your thoughts on the stuff I talked about earlier on with the whole pack two situation. I'm trying not to completely abandon that because I was kind of right in the middle of it earlier this summer. So I'm going to keep trying to put an update out at least once a week. And uh, that's it for me today. Trey Smith, college game time.